This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Okay, hello everyone. Today is the day we will be concluding the Nephilim episodes. And in this episode, we will be discussing the bloodlines of the Nephilim. Are they still around? Who are they? Where the fuck are they? We will be taking a closer look at the importance of the specific DNA markers and what they could mean, as well as the role it plays in secret societies. I hope you have enjoyed our journey into the origins of the Nephilim. And just to sum up the segments, I have to say, as I've said in previous episodes, I had a lot of really negative stuff come up in my life while I was trying to record these episodes and how controversial they are. And I almost said, fuck it, I'm not even going to post them. But In this episode specifically, something so weird happened to me, and it's continuing to happen because I've recorded this intro twice now. The first time I recorded it, it didn't save, and now this is the second time I'm recording it. We shall see if it works out, but in this episode, I was in the middle of presenting the information And I felt something run down the back of my neck all the way down my back. And I freaked out and I got up from my desk. And before I went straight into a full-blown panic attack, I didn't lean into it. I just said, you know what, fuck it, and got right back in my chair and finished the episode. But if I would have leaned into the fear, I would have had a full-blown panic attack. It scared me to death, but that's besides the point. What I am doing with these episodes is trying to get you to think outside the box and come up with your own conclusions as well as being informative and educational. But I do have to say I'm so glad that these episodes are recorded and everything's good to go and no more craziness has happened. But you have to think whether it's a spiritual battle or a physical battle. There's a reason that weird stuff keeps popping up every time I try to record one of these episodes. I may do a little recap episode next month going over some more additional information I found But today is the day we will be officially summing up the Nephilim episodes. 
And I have some more regular episodes coming up for the rest of the month that you are sure to enjoy. But if you haven't already, please check out the podcumentary for part one, Myth or Memory, on YouTube. Go check out The Cosmic Shop. And of course, please leave a five-star review if you love what I do. And thanks for your continued support. And let's roll right into the episode. Wow, you are back for part four, and I know you're excited about this one. This is where we get into the real meat and potatoes, biscuits and gravy. We're diving into the bloodlines, and I think we're going to cover a lot of ground in this episode, and I have been looking forward to revealing it, but to touch on where we left off last time and the Atlantean antediluvian civilizations, these were occupied by these mythological beings that we keep hearing about in all the stories and movies, Lord of the Rings and all of these trilogies. And in these movies and shows, they're actually like documentaries. And that's what I want people to realize. Now, as I have said before, The first wave of the Nephilim hybrid beings were like 20 and 30 feet tall. But over time, those physical attributes diminished. But that doesn't mean that we're not walking amongst literal descendants of the giants. And they know who they are. And to prove my point, Goliath and Gog and Magog, they were already down to like 11 and 13 feet tall. And then, you know, you get down to today, we still have some tall motherfuckers walking around, but not like that. They are mentioned, though, in all of our favorite fairy tales and mythologies. Fairies and trolls and elves and all of these mythical type of creatures they were really real and they had this magic in their blood. That's why you always hear about fairies guarding over the portals. Yeah, that's some real shit right there. But there was and is a hierarchy and levels to this shit. For an example, like the Titans, Anunnaki, etc. Different names for the same thing. You have what they call parent gods... In Greek mythology, that's what you would call Kronos and Gaia. And then Zeus and Osiris would be offspring to these parent gods. So that was like gods getting with gods. But what you have is millions of giants. And these giants are intermarrying with the Cain bloodline. But there were other types of beings the Seraphim and the Cherubs that were creating these gods like Horus with like bird heads and Anunnaki also had bird heads so that's why you have giant beings with animal looks and humans in particular Christians wiped a lot of them out and revolted against them All of us kooky Christians and our kooky, crazy conspiracy theories. (laughs) 
But for real though, there is evidence that proves there were giants among us with these skeletons that we keep finding. And they're trying to graph the Nephilim bloodline in with ours to demonize us and corrupt us. But they also do a lot of inbreeding on their end to make sure that their bloodline is strong and imbued with these magical powers. And that is so the dragon messiah can be born. The bloodline of the Nephilim continues and they're ready to enslave humanity. But what happens is with these royal dynasties, the nobility, the elites, is that if you continue to intermarry within a small gene pool, which is exactly what they did and continue to do, at some point, you're gonna need to bring in diluted levels of the bloodline to regenerate the existing one and to prevent those weird diseases like the hemophilia and the whatever with the iron and etc. Because with inbreeding, you get a lot of these diseases. Now think about it. That's why they brought in Princess Diana. They have to make sure that they don't interbreed too tightly. Think of all those royal family members that got locked away in asylums and loony bins and they were all disfigured and disformed and stuff. They're, they didn't make that mistake again. That's why they bring in people like Princess Diana. Now think about that. Charles clearly and on record never gave a damn about that woman. And then there was all this weird sacrificial stuff around her death. And she talked about how they drugged her and brought her to a ritual and shapeshifted in front of her and scared her to death. And and then they ripped open human victims and ate their organs and stuff. Now, that didn't mean that they were reptilian. That's what they do. They are, have the magic in their blood. They have the changeling capabilities. So they scared the shit out of her. Introduced her to the rituals. Let her know what was up. You're going to do what we say, bitch, or guess what's going to happen to you? Fuck around and find out is kind of what that was about. And I do believe that William is probably Charles' son. And now this is a theory. Take it or leave it. I don't care. But we're just here to have a nice, entertaining conversation and throw out crazy thoughts. Why do you think they look so different? Charles and William look similar. But Harry is the legit redheaded stepchild. Where the fuck is he getting his genetic markers from? And it's probably because one of the real super concentrated, I'm talking like maybe a red haired giant for real got Diana pregnant. And that's how we have Harry with his red hair out of nowhere. And Diana really essentially could have had a very diluted level of the Nephilim bloodline, but then they put her with, what do they call him? The Pendragon or the Pindar, you remember that? And that's why we have Harry. 
and the more you dilute the bloodline over time, the less you have of the size and the look of the OG giants. But you're still going to have like the red hair or think even, you know, Prince Harry goes on to marry Meghan Markle. And she's descendant of Robert the Bruce. So if you think that they're not still inbreeding, you'd be wrong. They still have those changeling abilities and the weird pedigree status. And they keep their pedigree because the pure the bloodline, the higher the pedigree within the cult. Now we're talking about the red hair, right? And the red hair giants. And there is evidence to suggest that after the humans revolted against these gods of old and drove them out, again, I will mention the story of Quetzalcoatl um, and the war on the Titans and all that shit. Basically, what you have is the remainder of giants actually migrated out of the Middle East and into Europe, Russia, Sweden, Norway, and some in England and Ireland. And what you have is you have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pale-skinned giant race. And then you have a red-haired, hazel-eyed, pale-skinned giant race. And there could be still some of them living in underground cities that's yet to be seen but we know um for the most part the red-haired giants were the ones that migrated to north america and that's why we find the skulls and giant skeletons all around america with the red hair and also peru i just want to point that out but these bloodlines of the elite can trace their bloodlines all the way back to the giants. And think of this. As far as the dilution of the bloodline. And the diminishing of the physical attributes. Think of Akhenaten. Who was considered to be one of the most noble bloodlines of that time. He's got a giant elongated skull and looks like a serpent. He's got wraparound eyes. And a serpentine-like body and of the long neck. And Akhenaten was a legit thousand years after the first Nephilim. Now, you think about that. Akhenaten was straight up a thousand years after. And he still looked fucked up. Not as much. But we see there was a lingering effect. But I just want to let you know, Luke 10, 19. God says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So uh, they don't want us to remember that one. Good old Akhenaten with his snake head. Let's move on. Even... King Herod and the Caesars, all the psychos, trace their bloodlines back, and it's this same ruling class. That's where you get this whole Merovingian thing. And I have 
talked to you about the Merovingians before in the Mary Magdalene episodes, and I may I may be eating my words, and I I'm such a proud person, but pride cometh before the fall. I may be eating my fucking words on some of that Merovingian stuff after this research I've done because every time I've mentioned the St. Clairs who trace their bloodlines back through the St. Clairs that go back to Jesus and Mary Magdalene that go back to the Merovingians. Now, here we go. The Merovingians trace their bloodlines back to these fallen sons and daughters of God, the fallen angels, the Nephilim. And so how in the world could these evil, sadistic psychos be descendant from Jesus and Mary Magdalene? Now, here we go. So the Merovingian fucks end up being all like the Frankish kings and queens. And I've already talked to you about Father Sonier and Renle Chateau and this whole grail theory, right? And... There's actually an even weirder theory that goes along with the Grail lore. And I just want to mention that at Renle Chateau, there is a statue of Asmodeus, the demon custodian of secrets and guardian of hidden treasures. <sighs> this goes deep, y'all. Now, Merovingians have... Nephilim blood from the Middle East and European giants intermarrying and then supposedly grafted in bloodlines from King Saul, the first king of Israel. And one of the Merovingians is Dagobor. And Dagobor is one of the... I swear to God, every time I try to record this, something fucking weird happens. <sighs> but it's not going to keep me from finishing this episode. Now, Dagobor is one of the founders of the Templars. And if you remember, as I had said in the Atlantis episode, with the different sects that take over the world... The Templars installed these sects, the Rosicrucians, the Jesuits, the Illuminati, the blah blah blah, that came from the Templars. And Dagobert, from the Merovingians, was one of the founders of the Templars. Now, the Merovingians claim to have bloodlines of David that they grafted in there, and supposedly the bloodline of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And unlike the theory I presented in previous episodes, they think Jesus never died on the cross and that he had three kids. Come on. I don't believe that, but that's their story and they're sticking to it. Now, the Rosicrucians, Gnostics, believe Jesus did not come to sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. They say that Jesus was sent to humankind as an enlightened spiritual guide in the same ideology as Buddha or Mohammed to teach humankind enlightened secrets aiding us in our own evolution to godhood. And it 
always goes back to us being on a quest to become God-like. We don't need Jesus. Jesus was just here to show us what to do so we could become gods. Boy, yo. Okay. But all of these royals and the Sinclairs and the St. Clairs, they can trace their bloodlines back to the Merovingians. Now, here's their story. Part of the Grail lore is that their belief is a man named Joseph of Arimathea takes Josephus, Jesus' youngest son, and moves with him to another country. And it's after this move that they are going to marry Josephus into the Pendragon Celtic dynasty after settling in Glastonbury in the UK. And it's this union that produces a princess named Aragon, and she's going to marry someone named Aminabad of the Merovingian dynasty. And if you don't think that they have kept record of all these genealogies, you'd be wrong. I'm not saying it had anything to do with Josephus or Jesus or Mary Magdalene, but that's what they believe and that's their story and they're sticking to it. But we know that they keep track of shit like that because the Windsors of England, Prince Charles in particular, brags about being related to Vlad the Impaler. And not only was Vlad the Impaler a human vampire, and the whole thing about being a human vampire is essentially they legit the they have that magic in their blood or whatever they have the um gifts from the fallen angels and they probably do need blood and stuff like that they need the sacrifice to recharge themselves that's the whole human vampires thing and i was right they are human vampires but so they brag about this whole vlad the impaler connection and vlad the impaler had red hair and hazel eyes and Vlad the Impaler's bloodline goes back to these motherfuckers called the Scythians. And now this is really, this is crazy as hell. This is where we start getting the fucking fairy tale stuff right here. The royal Scythians were the ring lords from the Transylvanian fairy race that spawned the elven race of Tuatha Danann which eventually migrated to Ireland sometime before 1000 BCE. And three key dragon bloodlines came together in marriage from Mesopotamia, Egypt, and Edom to found the Scythian Ringlords, which later split into three more bloodlines sometime before 1100 BCE. And they form... And God help me here, the Furbolg and Malaysians, and of course the Tuatha Dinan. Essentially, what they did is merge the Scythia line with the Egyptian Mesopotamia bloodline of Egypt, which both carried significant Grail dragon ring bloodlines from Esau and the Nephilim Amalekites, and. This created the most venerable family of that epoch. 
which remarried into the royal Scythian spawn Tuatha Dinan later in Ireland, creating the famous and elitist Albigens, the elven race of Europe. And yes, I just said that. They got elven races, they got fairies, they got dragons, they got the whole, they, they got it all. Now, Emperor Justinian II of Constantinople noted that the Scythian ring lord slash dragon court route to the Tuatha Dinan was the most ancient of all the tribes in the world, even older than the Egyptians. The original Scythians carried an independent genetic route back into prehistory. But what is most interesting is that in polytheistic lore, the most ancient of the Scythians even predate the antediluvian Sumerians. Tablets found beneath the village of Tartaria in the famous province of Transylvania evidently predate Sumerian texts by 1,000 years according to carbon dating. What is amazing about this discovery is that the glyphs and symbols on the tablets were virtually identical with Sumerian glyphs. The Scythian language suggests an Iranian heritage, which suggests that ancient Scythian culture founded the antediluvian Sumerian civilization, which is extremely contrary to modern propaganda. Now we have motherfuckers tracing back to these Scythians. And who was that again? Oh yeah, the Windsors. The Windsors trace their shit back through Vlad the Impaler, who traces his shit back to the Scythians who predate the Sumerians. Antediluvian civilization that predates the fucking Sumerians. And now where do you think they got their magical powers from? The fallen angels. I'm telling you, you guys. But yeah, so if we're talking about propaganda, maybe the whole Mary Magdalene mystery is another deception. And speaking of deceptions, I just had a crazy thought. Going back to the book of Enoch, how there were two Enochs and two Lamechs, and a Methusael and a Methuselah. What if the whole Mary Magdalene mystery and these psychopaths being able to trace their bloodline, quote unquote, back to Jesus and Mary Magdalene? What if they will show evidence of another person with the same name? The Cain line always mimics the Seth line. So our Yeshua, they may have an alternative Yeshua, and I know this is completely controversial, but it's got to be discussed, because they slide shit in like that. So if there were two Enochs, and two Lamechs, and a Methuselah, and a Methusael, and they get as close as they can to the names of the Seth line, could they possibly give us some type of proof that, yes, they are technically descendant 
from a Yeshua and a Mary. But is it our Yeshua and Mary? The whole thing that I argued in my Mary Magdalene episode is that there were too many Marys and not enough detail. And there was a Mary of Bethany, Mother Mary, and the prostitute Mary, and we could never decide which Mary it was that they were talking about. Same with Enoch. And could it be so that they will provide us evidence that yes, they can trace their bloodline back to a Yeshua and a Mary. But is it the Yeshua? So that is just a little bit food for thought as we continue our research. These mongoloids believe they can trace their bloodlines back to Jesus and Mary. But maybe they're just trying to artificially graft their bloodline to the house of David so they can claim some kind of legitimacy. Now, they say they have the evidence and that's how they will bring Christianity down to its knees in the last days. And install the one world religion. Because think about it. They want to claim a pedigree so great and high that no one can question it. We don't have to believe that, but they believe that. And it's what they do with their belief that we need to be worried about. Now, besides the royal families that we know of, like the Windsors, are there any other bloodlines that we can look at? Now, I do think presidents and presidential families are a part of these lower ones, like the seraphim bloodlines. But essentially, you can't be a part of the club unless you have pedigree and Nephilim blood. They may let you serve them, but in this cult, you are born in. And if you are not born in and you just want to serve them, you can try to blood in, but that always ends up bad for these initiates. You remember the initiates I always talk about, this purge club. Now, you can try to serve them, but you always end up dead or in ruin. And here's a question that's probably on everyone's mind getting back to the Merovingians. Secrets to the bloodlines have been kept alive in such classic writings and legends as Robin Hood, the Holy Grail, the Arthurian legends, fairy tales, and of course, the popular Lord of the Rings legend, there is evidence revealing a seemingly determined effort to encode the genealogy of the Nephilim bloodlines with some of the most famous pieces of children's and adult literature as a testimony to the validity of those bloodlines. And these Merovingians, like I said, the Fisher Kings, were a dynasty mythologized to have possessed mystical power to communicate with animals, manipulate the weather, and heal the sick by the touching of hands, just as Jesus did. They wore their hair very long, never cutting it. In the tradition 
of the scriptural Israeli Nazarites, the most famous of whom was Samson. Everyone knows Samson, who the Merovingians and Gnostics held in curiously high esteem. All of the Merovingians possessed a curious red cross-shaped birthmark located either above the heart or between the shoulder blades, supposedly representing their true heritage. Merovingians were sorcerer kings, in the same spirit as King Solomon with his judgment and wisdom, as well as his prowess as a mystical magician in the ringlord tradition. The Merovingian kings were extravagant polygamists after the spirit of the pharaohs, David, the Nephilim, Lamech, and of course, Solomon. I do not believe that the Merovingians can trace their bloodlines back to Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. Although, I believe they're going to convince us that they can. Because they even convinced me, damn it. They had me convinced and I made two whole fucking episodes about the Grail lore. This is another deception. See how easy it is to get wrapped up in this shit? Like for real, you guys. And I bet you've asked yourself if you have red hair. <laughs> I feel you. Um, at what point do we all have a little Nephilim DNA? It's straight up inevitable, I feel like. They succeeded, like for real. But again, like, thank you, Jesus, literally, because with our free will, we can still choose God to have mercy on our soul, okay? These motherfuckers, I, I can't speak for them, all right? But at some point, I'm sure that they've corrupted most of our bloodlines. Hell, we got girls out here that have six baby daddies. As for you and I, our families, we're not tracing our bloodlines all the way back to the Giants. Some of us don't even know who our dads are. I mean, they are probably loving how marriage is like a relic because we are just like Sodom and Gomorrah nowadays. People aren't marrying and having family trees and one father for their children and tracing their lineage. They're, we are not doing that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong if you're not with your children's father for a number of reasons. Maybe he was a sicko, freako, whatever, asshole. But I'm sure that they love that about our days of Noah because we can't trace shit back to shit. And what does that mean? That means that we need to go to Ancestry DNA and we need to know where we came from and get our results. Boy, boy, boy. Isn't that some demonic shit right there, though? Alright, it's time for our truth hour. Of course, I ordered one and I did it like an idiot. But I logged on to the app recently because I knew I was going to do this episode and you know what the first thing was that popped up? AI Time Machine. Transform yourself into a historical figure with AI Time Machine. The results will blow your mind. No thanks. I'm not getting involved with Fallen Angel technology on a Tuesday. But thanks a lot. Now, I had already mentioned that 
the remainder of the giants migrated out of the Middle East into Europe, Russia, Sweden, and Norway, parts of England and Ireland, and you have the blonde-haired blue eyes and the red-haired hazel eyes, and we, for sure, you can't get that red hair out of the gene pool. That is something that stays strong. These gingers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm part of the club. Um... So my results state 80% English, 10% Irish, Scottish, and Welsh, and 10% North African. I'm probably loaded with this shit, you guys. Oh, for fuck's sake. Then they show me on a map where my people came from, and I'll tell you what's circled. It's got Scotland, Northern Ireland, Ireland, United Kingdom, Isle of Man, Wales, and then it has Tunisia, Malta, Morocco, Algeria, Libya, Egypt, um, and then Nigeria, and somewhere called Benin and Ghana. My, oh my. So, my shit is from where all of these motherfuckers came from. Let's not state the obvious, though, about my hair color. There is some serious... I'm just telling you, genetic markers that they look for. And like I said, to some extent, even common people like you and I have some of these genetics. But it's not like, you know... We're, we're like Snow White with these Merovingians. Like, we could talk to animals and change the weather. Wait a second. Changing the weather. What the fuck? I'm googling right now. It just popped into my head. You guys. Disney movie... Frozen. They are repping the OG Giants. Elsa's got superpowers. She can change the weather. She's blonde hair and blue eyes. And Anna is red hair hazel eyed. Oh my fucking god, are you serious? We've got mystical creatures. Trolls. Oh boy. Hey, what's that one song that they sing in there? Love is an open door? <laughs> we see what door they were trying to open, y'all. I'm serious. Okay, here's your homework. Go and watch Frozen and report back to me on symbology. Now that you know what you know. Oh my god, that is some straight up telling you some shit. But anyways, we're talking about the DNA and that they look for specific markers in the blood. RH negative is one of these markers. But actually, one of the most sought after blood types is what the Windsors have, which is O negative. Because 15% of the population has RH-negative blood, 
And RH negative is not a disease, it's just an inherited trait, same as eye color, and it's one of the genetic markers. But now 85% of the population has RH positive blood. Don't get those two mixed up. But as I said, the most coveted of all of them is O negative. And only 7% of the population are O negative. But if you Google it, Google will tell you the rarest blood types are B negative, AB negative, and AB positive. But we're not looking for blood bags for trauma victims. They are looking for these specific markers because of what they mean. And that's why in France and England, there is 20 to 25% RH negative compared to our 15. And mythology of France is that they come from the Atlanteans after the flood who settled in France. Atlanteans is a term that can be switched out with Nephilim. And the studies conducted on RH negative blood shows that they're usually very intelligent, have high analytical skills, have better intuitive abilities, they have psychic abilities, and there's actually a gene marker that they look for called the gene of Isis. And if you just look at gene, the word G-E-N-E of Isis, Genesis, <laughs> I'm serious, I, I mean like, it always goes back to DNA and technology. They're actually looking for this, which is why they started these DNA testing sites. You want to know what else is your homework? What I keep complaining about is that people need to go and watch that Netflix show, Archive 81. They are straight up telling you in Archive 81 that there's a group of people in a cult. It's a blood, Satan, um, necrophilia, sex, black magic cult. And they're trying to open the portal to let this demon come through. And they start a... DNA testing company because they need to test people's DNA because there's only certain people who can open the portal and they're looking for those bloodlines and that's all in the stupid fucking Netflix show Archive 81 and I can't get people to watch it because the first like three episodes are so boring but if you can just watch it on one and a half speed or whatever it'll be totally worth it but going back to the DNA and technology thing that's why we have, like, the alien abductions. They're always needing our DNA. They're always freaking working on our reproductive system and probing people. And, yeah, for real. It always goes back to technology and DNA. And they're always looking for the tombs of these stupid mummies. And the King Tut Museum and the tombs of all these. Because they, they're looking for these corpses to reinvigorate their bloodline with these pure bloodline descendants. Hell, Akhenaten still had that psychopathic skull. Now, if we're talking about DNA and technology, I have to now reference what I've referred to as the turkey baster. Again, you don't have to believe it, 
but they believe this and it's what they do with their belief that we have to be worried about. Don't take my word for it. Go read Revelation and tell me if that's something you want to be a part of or not. He's coming back with the fire, not the water. And yes, I think there's something weird with the turkey basters. Could they be altering this God gene that we all have? Maybe. I don't know. I want you to now take what you know and expand on it. Do your own research. Think for yourself. Connect the dots. Make it make sense to you. Go watch Frozen, though, and tell me what you think about that shit. Especially with the fact that they're royals. Anyways, anyways. Go and watch that shit and let me know what you think. And if you're feeling froggy, go watch Archive 81. Thank you, of course, so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. You've been an amazing audience. And I will catch you on the next one.